This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 7th, episode 1887, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. Hang on, we're hitching a ride. Daddy, I want another pony. I put 40 hours in this weekend, man, it's only Wednesday. I've been cussing this damn heat all day long, there's got to be another way. So I pick up my guitar and I write a song. Everybody hears and they sing along. Hey, hey. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning, and thank you for joining us, or I guess it could be good afternoon, depending on where you are. I was just reading something, Glenn, and all of our listeners are going to understand this, because this is a random thing, and I know I'm talking to you, Glenn, and Jemmy, who's producing today, and I don't have Jennifer to back me up, but I want to start a little list on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page, because Horse Nation published something that's 17 random things that readers' horses spook at, and Oh my gosh, randomly, uh, like pink is in the next pasture. And I was riding Ma- magic by and magic spooked at pink. Cause she doesn't usually <laughs> live there. Like, I mean, like to the point I almost fell off. So <laughs> horses are ridiculous and that's how this works. And so some of the things that they're saying that their horses sp- have spooked at and uh, gosh, we've all been there. Uh, his or her own shadow when they all of a sudden see their shadow and it's like, Oh my God, uh, butterflies. His or her own fart or the rider farts <laughs> said, look, everyone farts. We're not going to name names here. Llamas, French bulldog, a tree where a limb had been recently sawed off the feed pan. He just knocked over. <laughs> and this one always cracks me up when they go to drink some water and the water has been filled up and the water touches their nose. Oh, and they, they go, surprise oh, themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or at at um, Flag is Up Farms, bless Zeus's heart. I was right every day. I rode up and down around the track and then down the driveway. I mean, it's Flag is Up Farms. If you don't trail ride around that place every day, you're just not doing your job. So I'm on Zeus and I'm going down the driveway. Oh my God, he bolts left like you've never seen. And of course, they really feel, would prefer that you're not on the lawn. And we are in the middle of the lawn. I mean, we're like <laughs> bing, in the grass. I'm, I'm, I mean, he almost ran in the office. Okay. Like he went so far left. They had just installed a tiny, well, I guess it's about four feet tall, uh, statue of a horse uh, over and the, like in front a of Zeus the bushes. Eating statue? 
Oh my gosh. We ran into the lawn. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And one of the, the guys that works here goes, shy boy did the same thing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, if my Mustang's anything like shy boy, we're fine. <laughs> so yes, yeah, his new statue, they have a picture of a mural. Somebody painted the horses are freaking out at. So I want to know what are the most random things Jennifer that said your she was horse riding around on Nigel yesterday around the neighborhood and apparent and all the azaleas are starting to bloom here. And they come in red, white, and pink. And she said he freaks out at the pink ones. Red and white are fine, <laughs> but pink ones, he just cannot get by the pink ones. He's a boy. He doesn't like pink. pink flowers are <laughs> his nemesis. <laughs> oh, yeah. So sometimes I'm reading these like uh, the dry line of dirt under the horse after when you water the arena. All I know is that there was a in a covered arena that the sun would be setting and the 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 shadows would be cast across from like the arms that, you know, hold the ceiling up. And there'd be a shadow, and I rode a horse that would jump every time. Jump the shadow every time. Like, it's a shadow. I Don't a, jump it. I had a hell of a time with Scooter when we first started driving him. Getting to go near the yellow line in the middle of the road, I couldn't get him to go oh near the yellow gosh. line. We had to practice. We had, And finally, what I had to do is take him in hand and walk him up and down the road on the yellow line to the, get to the point where we'd actually cross the yellow line. Yes. The yellow, so uh, a friend of mine is a, um, is a eye, eye doctor for horses, like an equine yeah. ophthalmologist or just animal ophthalmologist. And she said that horses can see yellows and blues the most, which explains Sco Scooter, but does not explain Nigel and the pink flower. No, <laughs> I don't know what that is. So I'm going to start a post, uh, maybe Jimmy, uh, I'll start a post and, and see what are the random things that your horses spook at. And that was on horsenation.com. But right now, Jimmy, tell us what's on today's show. I mean, wow, I thought I had my, my issues. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez Louise. All right, here we go. On today's show, Benoit Blanchet gives us a skinny on Equisense motion girth sensors in the Purina Mills health segment. We have a brand new study show to confuse the heck out of us. Rachel, who went to vet school in Slovakia, pops in to share what she's up to now. And Jamie reads the first half of Chapter 22 of the Opium Equation, so you don't want to miss any of it. Oh, it's juicy. No, oh, I can't I'd wait. be a little juicy. <laughs> the pack show is always today, guys. And speaking of today, today is National Cereal Day, and I've already celebrated with a bowl of Cheerios. Winning! Oh, yeah, I had a bowl of cereal, <laughs> too. I guess I didn't even know. How did I know? Ah. Yes. Perfect. Uh, it's now just 7 o'clock here, so I haven't had a dang thing to eat. <laughs> but I had coffee. <laughs> Daily winning time. Well, as most of the regular listeners know, we have a lot of listeners in Sweden, and one of those listeners' name is Ann Svensson, and she's been listening for a long time. And she does a vlog on face or on YouTube, rather. She does a vlog, and it's it's from Svensson Ranch over there in Sweden. And she sent me a link to the vlog she did, and she did Ann's top five podcasts. So I would like you to listen to what is her number one choice. I'm going to play this right from YouTube. Och sen på nummer första plats. Helt klart så är det Horses in the Morning. Den podcasten har jag lyssnat på i många år och känt mig jätteinspirerad av att göra olika saker också online. 
Okay, did you get that, Jamie? I got every word of it. It was amazing. What the hell did she say? <laughs> she, well, that's what I asked her because I, I said, well, thank you very much. Because on the screen, on her video, it actually says one, horses in the morning. And I, those are the four words I understood out of all of that. So <clears throat> what, she, what she said, and she translated this for me and wrote it all down and sent it to me. She said, on place one, of course, horses in the morning. I like how she said, of course, it's horses in the morning. Of like course. it wouldn't be anything else. I have listened to it many years and it has inspired me a lot, even on doing things online like this vlog. If you have not listened on Horses in the Morning, you really need to do that. They broadcast live every morning, Florida time. For us, it's 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Most of the time, it is Jamie and Glenn that hosts. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, they have some different theme shows. I personally love the babble between them. So, babble. We, yeah, we, babble. I like babble, how we babble. babble. <laughs> Jamie does say what she feels, and I think it's very liberating. Especially Yay. in the horse world, where we often limit ourselves instead of talking to each other and learn more to find inspiration in each other's differences. Well, we are certainly different. So that's, that's true. All that's really actually an incredibly high compliment. So that's what, I, that's what I've been trying to do, especially recently in light of things that have been written that I wrote and I can't talk about here, but I, that is a unbelievably high compliment. Thank you so much. I thought it was too. All people does not do the same things under horses in the morning. There is a corporate group that's horse radio network and they have many different shows, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there is so much material to listen to. They've been around for many years and they are alive every business day. So if you have not heard them before, you really need to do that. Everything is in English though. So you do need to understand English. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But what a great compliment for me, Anne, and, and thank you so much for promoting us over there in Sweden. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of terrific Swedish listeners, and I wish we would have understood a word you said, because it sounded so pretty. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, it sounded pretty. We're huge in Sweden. Uh, my Daily Winnie is... This is just epic awesomeness. Like, you know, I do silly daily winnies, but I also wanted to point this one out. Uh, Rick Porter, who I have sent all of his information over to Denise to book him as a guest. He's kind of a big name. He is the owner of Fox Hill Farm, which has owned champion top race horses such as Songbird, Havard de Grace, Hard Spun, Round Pond, Eight Bells. Uh, Jostle, so all of these, he's, he's really, really huge name in racing. And he just has started what's called the NTWO, which is the national thoroughbred welfare organization. And what they are going to do is they, oh my gosh, they're going to find all the horses that are in the slaughter pipeline, the race horses that have been, uh, in the slaughter pipeline and they are going to take them and they are going to you know this whole feedlot extortion that they, he likes to how call do they find them so what they're planning on doing is like hiring people to go to each auction and just look for and thoroughbreds to, well what they're to kind of like their big plan yeah look for thoroughbreds uh, so let me back up apparently he and of a, a bunch of other racehorse people including rosie dimpravnik she wants to help the horses uh, in Louisiana. So they went to, uh, and this is Victoria Keith, who is the executive vice president of Fox Hill Farm. They went to one of the auctions 
in Louisiana. And it's called Dominique's Livestock Auction in Baton Rouge. And Larry Jones and George Barnes, Larry Jones is a trainer, and his assistant, George Barnes, also went with him. And the story was in, by Victoria Keith, and she tells a story about going to Dominique's sale barn at 11.15, sale starts at noon, and they were walking around the old wooden barn with pens of cows and goats and horses. And then they went into the all the horse pens and looked for thoroughbreds. And they said, and then this truck came in and then opened the gate. And they basically cattle prod the horses through these things. And they still had racing plates on one of the horses a six-year-old mare raced at delta downs like the week before and another one had raced two weeks before and these are the horses that still have their racing shoes on and they're just sent out to this auction so they bought them all and they sold them but or so bought them and saved them but there was one killer buyer in there and they and so at one point they couldn't get one of the gray the gray mare out of the pens to run down through the auction and they fashioned a winch and they were whipping it and hitting it with a uh, mop and this holy Rosie Napravnik caught the whole thing on video so they're trying to basically bring light to this horrific horrific thing that's going on in all of these auctions and these sales and so what they want to do is and providing an example of how the organization will work, he said, I found the perfect person to be the track agent at Fairgrounds. And they want to go to the executives at Fairgrounds. They told him about their program, and they are trying to sign up tracks to be member tracks of the organization, which means they, number one, have a no-slaughter policy. And then they have an agent who is going to interact with all the trainers to offer assistance in rehoming the horses. And this agent yeah, all the gets trainers tra really care about is getting some money out of the deal well all not all about. of them but a lot of them yeah. so they're gonna ask that the track gives them x number of stalls to house horses for the trainers who are desperate to get the horses out of the stalls okay so these trades trainers that you're talking about are like i don't want this one i'm gonna send it to the auction yeah, no just what they're some gonna money do and they want it out of the barn Basically. Exactly. Yeah. So they're going to go into these stalls because the track has signed up to be a part of it. They're going to send them to the barn number 12, which is the rescue barn. And then they're going to try to sell. The agent is going to sell these horses to anybody looking. So you, you want to go look for a horse, a racehorse that needs a home. There's going to be a specific barn at the racetrack that these people go to. Oh, you'll go to barn 12. You can look around and pick one and buy one. How awesome would that be for those of us who maybe don't have connections in the track? Yeah, where so are all these go, horses going to go? So to what they're saying is they're going to house the horses for anybody who would like to buy them or adopt them. And then 20% goes back to this organization, NTWO, and then the rest of the money goes to the trainer who sold it or the owner who sold it. So there is going to be a little bit of money coming back to them, and then you're not going to get in trouble because the tracks say no okay, slaughter. I, I again come back to we're going to have a lot more thoroughbreds, you know, in the pipeline. And is it going to be like the? I just hope it doesn't become like the Mustangs where we have so many in holding pens and nobody to take them. Um, so they're addressing all of that, and what they're trying to do. There's a woman um, named Amy Paulus who takes horses off a of turfway and places, and she places about 600 horses a year, selling them to Didn't sport horse trainers own? and riders. I don't know, um, but 
basically they want you to turn the horse over to the agent. The agent comes to the barn, takes photos and videos and post the horses for sale on the website. The organization takes 20% commission. The remainder goes to the owner or trainer. And basically they can't refuse any horses. If you like this, Amy Paulus chick they're, that they're trying to like you do, do what she does. She can refuse to take certain horses, but they can't. So they'll have more expensive uh, expenses. So, they may find themselves, they said, handed horses that require euthanasia or require medical care or require X, Y, and Z. And they're happy to do it and they're willing to do it. And they're going to team with people that have, you know, the pastures and the money. And it's really, I, I'm, it's, it's just in the infancy. But what a fantastic thing. Like, I, you know, I want to get a horse off the track. I, I'm going to go. I can go to this specific place and look at the horses that they have. So I think that's kind of neat. And I think it's exciting and anything to get these horses out of this pipeline. And it's not just thoroughbreds, but at least somebody's doing something about it. You no, know, I mean, there's groups that go rescue Mustangs and there's th this article that they posted on the blood horse. Oh my God. It, it, it breaks by your the, heart. By the way, we did have her on. She was on uh, January 8th. Um, we had her on and she talks about how she rehomes the thoroughbreds. So if you go back to January That's 8th right. show, okay. we yeah, did have so her So they're on. trying to do what she does, yeah. basically. And she but does, she remember, she does a lot. Shoes. I mean, she pumps them out. She gets them gone. 600 a year. <laughs> I know. She sells. And yeah. she sells them only for like 1500 You know, uh, uh, she takes a commission. Uh, anyway, so it's... it's that, that's what they're going to try to do is kind of do what she does, but in a different way involving the track as opposed to the the trainers at the track. So pretty, pretty, it's pretty Very awesome. Cool. So what I want to get, uh, sorry, I know that was like a long, long, long daily Winnie, but I really would like to get uh, Rick Porter on and even Rosie to talk about this because this is something that's important to all of them. And them telling the story of going to the sale. If you guys want, I can post the link to the blog on our horses in the morning Facebook page as well. So I'll do that next. All right. Sounds good. Well, next up, uh, this week's health segment is brought to you by Purina Mills. Greatness never ages. So help your senior horses live their best lives with Purina Equine Senior Horse Feed. It has Active Age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. To learn more, visit PurinaMills.com backslash Active Age. All right. So our guests today are both going to be on Skype, which means that we have to call them live, which means... Anything can happen. <laughs> so I'm going to try. How did we determine we say his name? Uh, Jemmy, Jemmy, you said it so beautifully earlier. <laughs> I tried my best. It was Benoit Blanchet. Look at her sounding off. Benoit right. Blanchet. All right, we're trying to give uh, Benoit a call now. Talking about something called Equisense Motion, which is, uh, there's a lot of new tech coming out for the horse Hello. world. Hello. Hello, Benoit. Yep. Hey, it's Glenn and Jamie from the Horses in the Morning show. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on. We're going to talk to you a little bit about Equisense Motion. And this is something that is very exciting. It's a connected sensor that you put on your girth. Tell us in your words what Equisense Motion is. So Equisense Motion is a mobile app with a um, uh, connected tracker placed on the girth under the horse. And uh, it allows uh, riders to know more about their uh, progress and the uh, horse's uh, welfare. So, for example, we track uh, 
the gate symmetry. We track a lot of indicators about the horse progress. And also we provide some uh, tips and training programs to help riders uh, uh, progress and take care of their horses. So what I saw was that the, the company was founded by six equestrians who happened to also be engineers, designers, developers, and veterinarians. So how did you guys come together to develop this? Actually, we, we, we needed such a sensor because we were uh, riders. Uh, and we saw in other sports that there were, there were some uh, technologies and solutions to to be more effective and to 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 have details about the the, the practices. And uh, in our sport, which is uh, really technical and where is um, there is uh, a horse uh, like a mysterious being, um, so we, we needed such a, such a product. So we need we met each other uh, during the school and on uh, on. Uh, Social me social uh, networks mm-hmm. and um, and yeah we, we decided to 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 start and do prototypes and see what could what could uh, what could happen and then uh, we launched the the company and then uh, uh, we we get a large community of riders uh, interested in uh, and now we are almost uh, twenty five uh, people working on wow. um, and yeah it's an amazing journey <laughs> hey Jamie. It- so, yeah. So I found uh, what exactly it, the indicators are and what it tracks. So it's trot symmetry. So that's, uh, you know, how, how symmetric your horse's trot is. The time spent on each lead, elevation, number of transitions, number of jumps, the time spent at each gate, cadence and regularity, and the breakdown of the whole session then. So... Yeah. So you really, boy, can, can, does this pick up lameness, I assume, then, too? Yeah, actually, symmetry is really close to lameness. Uh, you can find lameness uh, in several indicators, but it's the closest. Uh, for example, uh, uh, if a um, horse has a lane, uh, then it will, uh, the symmetry will be, will be lower. So you can follow how well is your horse and stop the, the training uh, as soon as possible and very earlier than uh, than previously because as you may know when we are riding it's sometimes really hard to know if the horse is okay or if there is a trouble so uh, most of our uh, users uh, are mostly alone for training and it's a great help for us to be able to stop the horses as soon as possible Okay, so here's the deal. I just realized, Glenn, I need one of these. And when I'm going out to try horses for clients, I can just attach this and we can skip the pre-purchase that they always (laughs) fail. And I can find out without spending all the money on the pre-purchase whether the horse is actually lame or not. Now, this sensor, is it it attaches? How how does it attach? And does it where does it attach? Yeah, it's uh, you can just place it with a, there is a little attachment, a leather attachment. Uh, you can just uh, put it on your girth, and it stays uh, under the horse. And then uh, during the session, you have the the data on your smartphone. So yeah, you you can put it on uh, every horses you have. You, there is no limit uh, of horses, uh, and you can track it each of them. Uh, does it does it answer your question? 
Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then there's also things where you can, I mean, this just thing just sounds smarter than that. I wouldn't even know how to read all this data because it's so thorough, but you can also set reminders on it. Like, Hey, don't forget your horse needs shoes or, uh, you need to get your horse's vaccines done. So this, this app is all about horse care, uh, along with tracking and looking at your ride. Yeah, you're right. It's a completely new way of uh, tracking our uh, our training. Um, so some of these indicators are quite technical, uh, and we do a lot of work to make it the most uh, understandable as we can. Uh, so we we leave some uh, little notes to explain what is actually each of these indicators, and then we we try to to put the best tips uh, to help riders. Uh, take these indicators into account and be able to to adapt their training and, and progress with that that new tool and uh, also we provide some exercises and uh, training programs uh, for each of these indicators so for example if you want to to improve the elevation of your horse uh, while it, it's trotting then we will provide you some uh, exercises and mm-hmm. while doing them you will you will see your progress now, does it, oh my does it store it then forever so I can look back a year and say, okay, I can see how my horse has progressed. I did this, I did yeah. this training session a year ago, and now I did it now, and, and it's so much better this time. Yeah, that's it. Of course, there is a, a lot of things uh, that uh, enter in this uh, measurement. So, for example, how, the, how is the field, how is the weather, uh, right. how it, your, your horse fitted, but uh, it's a really great tool to, to, to follow your progress and how your horse is, uh, is progressing. For example, for a young horse, the elevation can take like uh, one centimeter uh, per year. So I don't know how it's uh, <laughs> in inch, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really convenient to, to, to follow such progresses. And, and especially for riders who are mostly alone or for, for whose uh, who have uh, few horses? It's really hard to remember what what we've done uh, several uh, months ago, or how was the horse, or stuff like that. So now you have like a, a diary of all of what you've done and uh, how your horses progress. Wow, this is fantastic! So, is it on the market, and is it in on the market in the U.S.? Yeah, sure. We we launched uh, the product on Kickstarter uh, in November 2015. Then we we shipped the first product at the end of uh, 2016, and uh, now uh, the, the product is uh, is available uh, uh, in uh, 22 countries, including the uh, US. Uh, so you can go on our website uh, equisent.com, and you will find all the the information needed uh, and yeah yeah it's start to be and and we we all we always improve the products because uh, we can just update the app and uh, and the embedded software so even if we 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 add some other indicators and we are constantly adding some uh, you will be able to to access to it so for example we are preparing a lot of indicators about the jump to be able to analyze the jam, the, the cadence before the jam, the, the flying time and stuff like that. And uh, all the people in the community will, will access to it. 
Fantastic. So you can go on. So if, if I'm on your website right now, I can just buy it off of your website. Yep. Sure. Fantastic. That's equisense.com. And, um, you can check it out. They've also got some accessories and talking about the journey and being a part of it. So fantastic. This is this is amazing. Technology is amazing. I can't even believe it. So um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. Benoit, we appreciate it. And best of luck and congratulations on your Kickstarter. That got an unbelievable three and a half times the set goal. More than a thousand people backed it. And uh, you got, uh, I mean, you got awards on innovative businesses. You did a fantastic, a fantastic thing. And I'm excited to uh, check it out further. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Equisense.com, E-Q-U-I-S-E-N-S-E.com. Well, that is cool. And I was just looking on there. There's no, and I expected there to be, and I was surprised that there wasn't, there's no monthly fee. There's no uh, subscription. Oh, So cool. you just buy it. And apparently you don't have to have your phone while riding, too. It just sends it to your phone. So you don't have to even have your phone on you. And they Why do are girths so much smarter than me? Like, I was thinking <laughs> about this, and I was like, okay, if I read this, would I be so mad at myself? Like, gosh, I spent four times more on the left lead than the right well, lead. And, you know, I was looking at that time spent at each gate. You really could design a program around what you see as a result. So you go, okay, next time I trotted too much this time. I need to, I need to do less trotting and more cantering or whatever. You or know? more walking. Yeah. I th- that's right. my problem is I yeah. don't ever walk. Right. <laughs> like, let's go. It's boring. <laughs> So, yeah, I can see how that would be. We've had a lot of these kind of things, but they've all tracked heart rate. And pretty much that's all they did, right? Well, the the other ones, too, were like full girths. And and the problem with that is like, what if you are in a dressage settle or you're in a regular mm-hmm. girth or you need, you know, I use different girths for different things. I have a mono flap jump saddle. It requires a short girth. And so this is just something you put on any girth. And it's hard to How believe much that it? it can, it's 395 euros, which is about $4,100. Is uh, that euros that, or pounds? No, that's euros there. Um, and I think that's maybe around five, I don't know, Jemmy, 395 euros. What's that in, what's that in dollars? I think it's probably around. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you, you can do I'm the conversion right for us. Uh, I think it's around $500. Four, yeah, 500 bucks. Yeah. $490.40. But then you could use it on any number of horses too, which is kind of nice because you just take it off one girth and put it on the other, which is the problem. You're like you're right with the girth. If you if you have multiple horses and multiple doing multiple different things, this is just Velcro on, Velcro off. It looks like. Yeah, uh, yeah. and they do really have cool. brown and black. I would love to do it too. They I do can't have black it, too. Yeah, <laughs> it is neat. But if you're a professional rider, I can see why this would be this would be handy. Like somebody like Emily who rides. 10 horses a day and if she could track 10 different horses and and he's right when they get down you know when emily gets two months from now she doesn't remember what she did with that particular horse two months ago yeah Uh, so i can see with professional riders it tells you time spent in each direction like you spent 59 percent of your time going left so you know basically how unbalanced you are as a a rider you really should go more right (laughs) yeah Strengthen it. <laughs> all right. Do you know how to tell if your horse is a senior? If you've guessed age, you'd be wrong because not all horses age at the same rate. So how do you know your horse has entered their golden years? Well, you might notice gray or white hair around the eyes and muzzle. 
weight loss, low energy, decline in dental condition, or a choppier gait due to aches and pains. If oh, any chili. <laughs> yeah, poor oh, chili. chili. I know, poor chili. <sighs> if any of these describe your horse, he or she might be a senior, and it might be a good time to start him or her on Purina Equine Senior or Equine Senior Active Horse Feed. They both have Active Age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. With Purina Equine Senior, greatness never ages. To learn more, visit PurinaMills.com backslash ActiveAge. That's PurinaMills.com backslash ActiveAge. And I think in two months, that's the first time either of us have gotten through that ad without messing it up. So I'm really proud of you. Look at that. Great I job. said pre See, now I can't do it. See, can do it now. <laughs> nope. And you, that's what you get. That's, that's what, what I you get. get. Hey, I wanted to update you guys because I've been getting a lot of questions. Um, if you remember, I am horse shopping for a client. Oh, and yeah, yeah, you had one come to your house or something. Previously, yeah, she yeah. had previously pre-purchased three horses that all failed. Three. Fail, fail, fail. Do you know how much money that is in pre-purchases? And two of them are in California. (laughs) Uh, I can't even imagine. So I rode one over the weekend and he, the, the, the brain and the temperament were perfect. He required uh, a little bit more training. He was only six years old. It didn't have a lot of miles, but oh my gosh, this guy was so chill. And that's kind of the most we need for her is chill. So brought him home. Yeah. He was at the house. He spent the night and he was getting pre-purchased Monday after the show. Fail. Again? Fail. What happened this time? Like, like didn't just, didn't just with this one thing that we need to work on. No, it was like four different things. And so we, our hunt continues. Or even before the vet got there. (laughs) Failed the vet check. Oh, okay. uh, and I actually, I, and you know, they don't do a pass fail, but to me, he failed because there was like four or five different things. And we didn't even take x-rays. We actually flexed one leg. Like we stopped after one flexion. I was like, cut, just cut the loss right now. I took him back to the stall. I called them there on their way to get him. And I cried. I really, really liked this guy. I'm very sad. <laughs> this isn't that he for you out. anyway. I know, but he was going to live here, which makes him mine. <sighs> He's going to be boarded here, and I'm going to be training him. I'm, I love it. He's so flunk as a boarding barn. So oh, <laughs> they're all mine. This is why you can't ever foster anything. Nothing. That's why I've never Not been a foster Not even a turtle. Parent. Not even a turtle. <laughs> you can't foster hamsters. Nothing. No, there's a reason that Chad, uh, like, you know, when this adoption thing started, you know, it's obviously you get a kid a lot quicker if you foster them, but you may get, you may get a child that you keep for two years and then, you know, mama gets out of prison and wants her baby back and then you have to give it back. And I was like, (laughs) Chad was like, you cannot do that. I was like, I'll kill somebody. I will flat murder somebody. Give me my baby back. That is my baby now. You know, (laughs) like. The fostering dog. No, 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 you can't do it. No, cannot happen. No. Cannot happen. I'm fostering five chickens right now and they've been here a year and a half. See? <laughs> <laughs> hey, did the rooster come back by the way? Uh, no rooster nope. sightings okay, yet, good. but I, like right. I said, it's like when you have a fish, a goldfish and you put it in a tank. Did I explain this to you, Glenn? No, no, we never did the goldfish analogy. Okay, so you know when you have a goldfish and you put it in a tank, it just kind of it grows to the size of the tank. Yeah, yep. So I took this to the mountains and I I released him 
to the mountains. And I'm pretty in water, sure that I in hope. about six months. No, I just released him. I was like, go, buddy. Um, and pr- in six months, there's going to be a 60 foot rooster that is going to be attacking the White Tank Mountains <laughs> west of Phoenix. <laughs> Because I released Timothy. Uh, nobody, I'm, I'm telling you, he's still alive because he is awful. Like, there's no coyote that would dare. And he's going to be marching down the mountain right alongside a 40 foot goldfish. <laughs> no, he's just going to have like red eyes and he's going to be like, Where is she? And he's going to come and find me and he's going to kill me. Hey, you know, Horse Lovers has, well, I'm sorry the horse didn't work out. I mean,. Jeez. Oh, this it is was like so number twenty five on the hip parade. Um, yeah. yeah, and so she she even canceled her lesson yesterday. She's like, I just can't. I need a break. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Why is it so, so hard to shop for a horse anyway? It should be this hard. All you need is a super quiet one that's relatively sound. Yep. Like at hundred grand, and you're perfect. good to go. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And we have got a fairly big budget. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm I've got three hundred fifty dollars, and I'm like, hey, no, she'd probably find one for that. <laughs> I know, Ironically. Right? I need to start shopping on Craigslist. What have I been the doing this time? Yeah. Oh, God. Let's go. No, you can't go to the, ever, ever to the auction, ever. I told you, when I moved to Oklahoma, ever. the first thing I'm doing is I'm no, going to the auction no. and I'm buying all of the old no. horses, like the oldest ones I can find, and they're no. going to come and live with me for the no, rest of No, we're going to have a policeman sit at the gate, and you're going to be barred. They're going to stop Chili's going to be like, come on in, guys. <laughs> Come on in. It's I great. Need to you talk need to, to Chad. eat. Grow old. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's not on board with this yet. No, but I don't it's think good. so. Yeah. I, having hey, lived, having had everyone. an office right beside New Holland Auction, which is like the most notorious in the country, you know, God. you can't do it. No. No. I'm going to look on Craigslist right now. So uh, while you do that, I'm going to look at Horse Lovers. Their closeout sale now is up to 80% off of Ariat products. What? Yeah, so they have Ariat. If you're into Western, uh, they have Western English, but they have a ton of Western boots and uh, jackets and vests and uh, all kinds of stuff at up to 80% off. So here we have Ariat. This is their English boots. Uh, The... Pamplona English boots marked down from a hundred or four hundred ninety five dollars to one hundred and eighty one. Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking big savings. We're talking cowboy boots marked down from one hundred sixty nine to seventy or sixty. Uh, they have they have paddock boots in here, all kinds of stuff. There's fifteen pages of Ariat stuff marked down from their English clothing. Their show tops marked down to twenty three dollars. You know the shirts that everybody wears that say Ariat on. They like the team polo shirts marked down yes. to twenty five dollars. You know the jackets that everybody wanted after. Bag in 2010, the blue ones that say Ariat on the sleeve, uh, yes. marked down to $41, the navy ones. Uh, <gasps> it just goes on and on and on. Gloves and jackets and all kinds of stuff. But the uh, sales are limited. It's, uh, it's day five now, and I don't know how long this goes for, but you might want to hop right over there and check it out today. Uh, they even have pajamas and just... I didn't even know Ariat had all of these products, to be honest. So... Uh, how awesome are you if you like roll in area pajamas? I know you could actually probably go to like uh, the the show formerly known as Rolex and just walk around the whole thing as long as you were wearing Ariat pajamas. You could be in your pajamas all day. Um, 
So yeah, I check, think go over there idea. today, horselovers.com. And and their flash sale has some great stuff from another one of our sponsors, Ovation. So they have some great stuff on their flash sale right now from Ovation. They have the they have the Roma saddle pad for $31 and the Ovation Ladies full seat, the Euroweave breeches for $61, marked down from 100 so uh, you have so many choices today to go find what you want at horselovers.com. <gasps> what? Sorry. I'm looking at Craig's list. That's, that's, I can't. <laughs> you can't. Oh, my no, God. Don't do that. All right. So now let's, uh, let's, do, let's do some uh, study show. Jimmy, are you still there? I am still are you with here. Us? Okay, so you played study show before. We started mm-hmm. this years and years and years ago when I kept looking at the news and finding how we waste money doing studies that we could already give you the answer to. And how they should, instead of spending millions of dollars studying these things, just give it to us here at Horses in the Morning, and we will happily take it, and we, we will give you the headline and write up the article for you without even having to do the study. So it'll save time, and it'll make us rich. So we'll that only, was how this Yeah, we'll started. only charge half. Yeah, we'll only half. charge half. Okay, I'll take half. So now I am going to give you the beginning of the headline, and you and Jamie are going to guess what the punchline is. In this now, study. let me give you a disclaimer. Yes. Glenn says these things, and in my mind, at times, I'm not the cleanest. And at times, it says something that makes me say something that may not be uh, G-rated. I think that's Glenn's whole goal. <laughs> Not X-rated, not even R-rated, but there may be some like, PG-13 Like our friend Ann Svensson from Sweden said earlier in the show, Jamie <laughs> does say what she feels, and I think it is very liberating. So <laughs> okay, I'm going to liberate you. If your come children on. are in the car now, you might want to liberate the sound down for a little while. And then <laughs> come back right in about yeah, 10, <laughs> 10 minutes. All right. And this is perfect one to start with after that disclaimer. Studies show red light cameras. Oh, my God. Are people having sex under red light cameras? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? The cameras that are at red lights. That's what I'm talking about. Not a camera yeah. with a red light. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are more effective at ca- catching street corner drug deals than red light runners. <laughs> we know where Jimmy lives. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy always gives us a city twist to these. <laughs> I know we are all we're all country, we're all country. over here. And she's all like, "Crime is up." <laughs> Studies show red light cameras save lives. There, we could have saved up a lot of money by. I see the camera up there. I I'd go. I'm not going to run that yellow light. I'm going to wait. It works for me. It's not my, usually my reaction. You, you run it faster so they I'm don't the get city. it on camera. You try and go so fast they can't get the license plate. That's the hurry up light. <laughs> see I'm again. Just I'm not advocating that. City and country. All right. Uh, studies show Uber and Lyft worsen. Ooh. Uber, Uber and, and Lyft. Lyft worsen. Well, let me tell you something. When I have Uber and Lyft available, I drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> worsen alcoholism? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So however you want to put that together, I'm like, oh, we're lifting home. Y'all have another. Come on. <laughs> Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I was going to be the one to come up with the dirty answer there. So, <laughs> something to do with the backseat of the car and being less likely to 
have anything happen there at the end of the night. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, you're probably both right, actually. We could have made this study so much more inclusive. Uh, it's Uber and Lyft worsen city traffic because people aren't taking public transportation. They are actually taking an Uber or a Lyft. But we could have added Uber and Lyft worsen city traffic, alcoholism, and backseat sex. We could have, we could have made this more inclusive study. They could have just paid us to do that. Studies show... Oh, you're going to love this one. Studies show that women who make the first move... If you make the first move, you get, you know, early bird gets the worm. Come on. (laughs) Well, you're, you guys are pretty much right. Studies show that women who make the first move fare better in love. So I guess the more aggressive you are, the better that you do in love, I guess. You've got to get it. You want it? Go get now, it. They, it said fare better in love. It didn't say fare better in relationship, long-term relationships. It just might be. Mm. I don't know if that's one night stands or what. Women see more workplace rudeness from... Uh, their male bosses. Oh, I was going to definitely say other chicks. Other <laughs> oh. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Jemmy is correct. More rudeness from other women than from men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I girls are bitches. Women. I worked in a well, first insurance job I had. It was two guys and 50 women in our department. And let me tell you what. Drama? Oh, my God. It had nothing to do with us two guys. We just sat back and watched. They would wow. have killed each other if they would have done that. <laughs> Studies show <laughs> one, in, one in four teens are? Hmm. One in four teens? Yes, teenagers. Secretly fans of My Little Pony. <laughs> I like where you're going. I was immediately <laughs> like ha- uh, having bad thoughts about a future humanity. One in four teens <laughs> are actually not doing drugs and having sex. Well, you're... Well, that means that three out of four are, Jamie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Very optimistic. Jeez. You guys are both doomed for your children. Studies show one in four teens are sexting. So you were almost right, except the number was lower. Studies show how coffee is... By the way, that we get this one every ever. single month. There's a coffee study. Um, I was going to say the nectar of the gods, but I was... <laughs> let's change it to coffee makes you poop. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I had to. I, I used, never mind. Don't talk anymore. I'm talking. Studies show how coffee is good for your health. Now, if you remember right, <laughs> when, when we started doing these studies shows years ago, it was coffee was horrible for you and going to kill you. So that one has definitely changed over years to now. It's good for you. You're going to, guys are going to love this one, being you're both, uh, well, you'll see why. Studies show risks of booze may outweigh. Um, pure enjoyment. <laughs> I mean, the risk of FOMO. You don't want to like be sitting at home, not getting it in or getting it out there. Takes no a drink, get it done. Said. <laughs> Study. I have no idea what she just. No, no, said. FOMO me. No, <laughs> FOMO is fear of missing out. Ah. So fear of liquor. It, it shouldn't trump the fear of missing out. Just go out there and get it. And if you have to have a drink or two in the process, get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Studies show risks of booze may outweigh benefits. Um, oh, you guys are going to love this one. Studies show that husbands stress women out <sighs> more than their jobs. Close. 
I just said out. They just stress women out. Well, you're both <laughs> you're both kind of right. Studies show that husbands stress women twice as much as children. Mm. <laughs> really? Yes. Yes. And well, I re- yeah, because we get stressed out by the kids, and then we look over at you and why you're not helping, and then we get more stressed That's out. That's exactly what the article said. I actually read this one. That's exactly what the article said. It's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, nice, Jim. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, you got uh, two more. Uh, studies show that flossing your teeth is bad to do at the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the husband's stressing flossing. the woman out. Yeah. <laughs> flossing is something that I do in private. I get really super embarrassed about flossing in front of people. So, is it, I don't know, does it relate to that? Uh, studies ooh, show ooh. that f- number one thing that people lie about when they go get their teeth cleaned. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> That's one. That's true too. That's true too. Do you floss? Absolutely. Yes, every, every twenty times a day. Uh, <laughs> God, I'm a flossing maniac. Study. Well, then you're wasting your time because studies show that flossing is likely a waste of time. Did you know that floss, the floss industry is a $2 billion a year industry, and there's no proven study by anybody, apparently, according to what this study said, that flossing actually does anything except clean your teeth. So, the, But isn't that a good thing? I, I, I think teeth? it's a good thing, too. I'm not arguing I mean, with you. If that's the thing. only benefit, it's probably a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you. All right, one more. Studies show that women who have their... This relates to both of you directly. (laughs) Studies show that women who have their first child in their 30s... I don't know what you're talking about, Glenn. I'm 29. (laughs) Wait, say that again. Start over there. Studies show that women who had their first child in their 30s... Had hella good 20s. I have nothing to say after that. Mic drop, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are both going to be happy with the actual answer. Well, that was an actual answer, but this actual answer, too. Uh, studies show that women who had their first child in their 30s live longer. Because you had a hell of a good time in your 20s. You had a hell of a good 20s. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of these studies actually benefited you both directly. There uh, we go. Yeah. Except for the whole booze thing, which, you know... You're not going to listen to anyway, so we're <laughs> good. All right, uh, let's take a break for a song. I have one from Lexi Larson called Good Memories, and then we're going to be back uh, with more show. We have an update from Rochelle, who lives in England and who we talked to many times before. We're going to get an update from her. And also, we have the book. We have a lot more coming up.
Lexi Larson. You can find her, all of her music at LexiLarson.com. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I am Glenn Geek here with Jamie Jennings, and Jemmy is our producer today. And Jemmy, we just had an episode come out of our show, Finding Florida, didn't we? We sure did. A, two new episodes, an A and a B, following our trip to on a cruise to uh, Key West. That's and right. Had a great time. We did oh the listener. Cru- You're going to hear some of your fellow listeners to this show on there uh, who traveled with us. And uh, it was. Yeah, f- Robin, Carol, a whole bunch of people, Charlotte. It was so much fun. It was fun. And uh, you can listen to A and B. B is the actual adventure itself, where we talk a little bit about cruising. And then we do 10 things in Key West. So uh, take a listen to that. There might have been alcohol involved in that episode, <laughs> Jamie. There might have been alcohol involved. It's not our fault we were given vip passes not our fault officially <laughs> right, not which our included fault apparently not our fault free passes. drinks at every bar in key west so <laughs> nice <laughs> we had to uh we had to partake you know it was uh, yeah it was obligatory it would have been rude not to that's exactly. right we don't want to offend our hosts <sighs> absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> so that is where can people find it jemmy uh, FindingFloridaPodcast.com or iTunes or any other podcast player. And it's also on our Horse Radio Network app. You'll find it right on there, too. Just look for the Finding Florida logo. Well, um, you know, they passed this weekend. I'm going to talk about this. This weekend is Jamie's least favorite weekend of the year. Oh, God, is it this weekend? It's this weekend. We go to daylight savings time, which means she goes from having a two-hour difference, because Arizona doesn't change anything. They're just one of those states. They They're go from, ridiculous. <laughs> they go from a two-hour difference to doing the show now to a three-hour difference, which means she has to get up an hour earlier, which means I'm warning. Um, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because for all three shows next week that Jamie does, she will be whining. Um, about how early she's It's legitimate she's whining, though. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I I get up at 5.45 right now. It's really, let's go with 5.30, because I wake up at 5.30, and every time I wake up at 5.30, you know, 5.30 is doable. It's doable. 4.30 is not doable. <laughs> Just not. 
That's ridiculous. That's the middle of the freaking night. Okay. So that's what I do for you people. I figure so you know. it was probably, you probably got up earlier than that to do your show in Atlanta, didn't you? That was 2.30, but I made a hell of a lot more money. That's true. Okay. That's true. <laughs> I'll give you Jamie, that. <laughs> have you heard the bad news? I don't. I don't. Yeah, but I don't anymore. know if this is bad news or good news. I was trying to figure that out. Go ahead and tell her. <laughs> Are you going to tell her? Should I tell her? You tell her. You tell her. She's already mad at me. You tell her. So there's a bill right now on the governor's desk, as far as I understand. In Florida. Um, Yeah, in Florida, to have us lock us in once we change our clocks now to never honor daylight savings time again. So it could be a permanent move, Jamie. Which means I think that we would be on the same track as Arizona. Wait, 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 wait. No. No? <laughs> no. No. So w- this next one puts me in the California time zone. So it puts Arizona into California time. So maybe they should talk to Arizona. Like, I can't, I don't know. I don't even want to. I don't even. I can't. I can't. So Move for on. us, daylight savings time would become permanent. I hope they don't do that. How hard would it be that we already have a tough time figuring out when our guests are supposed to be on the show from different time zones. Can you imagine <laughs> if Florida then was different than everybody else? God. But we'd get to ring in the new year first. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare. That would be awful. You people and your old people in your city, that's ridiculous. That, that's silly. Well, I personally think the whole country should do it, but I don't even know why they did the whole thing in the first place. I always thought it was so kids didn't have to go to school in the dark, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know completely why. completely opposite. Yeah, it makes no sense. All right, let's 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 move on to something more happy because I don't want to talk about, I'm getting tired, I'm like, I'm tired already just right now with you talking about this. Like, I'm exhausted. There's a new <laughs> gin out. Would this help you? There's a new Scottish gin out aimed at the equestrian market. Um, it's called Jim Connor. Or Gin Kana. See how what they did there? G I N Kana. Oh, this is a real story. I thought you were joking. No, this is a real story. It's called Gin Kana, and it's received the seal of approval from Sir Mark Todd and Pippa Funnel. It launched its first small batch expression in partnership with Twin River Distillery in in uh, in Scotland. Um, It's been given an equestrian twist, are you ready for this, in flavor with horse-related favorites, including apples, carrots, and meadow hay. The brainchild of equestrian enthusiast David Lawson, who recently organized Sir Mark Todd and Pippa Funnel training events, the gin is made with mineral water and meadow hay grown locally. So apparently, um, it uh, it has a wonderful aroma of summer meadow from the hay, while on the palate, the apple and carrots hit your taste buds when you take a sip. The finish is fresh and clean from the mint. Sounds very complicated alcohol, is what it sounds like. Uh, so there you go. If you would like your gin to be uh, smell like hay or to be made from hay, apparently, I don't know. Um, it's a forty three percent or forty three percent alcohol, so it'll do very well in getting you to forget about what's he made of very quickly. So nice. there you go, gin cana. Gin cana, uh, yeah. I already think that gins t- taste like you're drinking pine trees. So now it <laughs> tastes like hay. <laughs> tastes like hay and carrots, uh, hay and carrots. And apples. Sounds good. It sounds I'm like in. all the flavored uh, bootleg whiskey they're making in Tennessee now, where they're making them sound uh, taste like apple pie and all of that moonshine. Yeah, yeah, that's what it tastes like. All right, let's let's call try and call our next guest. 
see how we do with this. And I'm interested. I, I, I can't wait to find out what she is up to in the world okay. because this is Rochelle who we talked to when she was going to vet school many in times, Slovakia. Yeah. Many times we followed her for a long time, but we haven't talked to her in forever. So we're going to have to get a, get her to back story a little bit and then tell us where she's at. Hopefully we can get a hold of her here. Um, although she's not showing, she's on. Rochelle, again, time zone. See, she probably thinks that we're changing time. No, wait, don't, doesn't other countries change times at different than, than we do? Yeah, but I mean, we went over this this morning, so she may be a veterinarian, but I don't think she can tell time. So let me <laughs> Maybe let me she's her. like in an emergency right now. She that is, is one of the problems. See, I don't think that's even the case because she's an emergency vet overnight shift, which could, I can only imagine what you see in the overnight shift of emergency Well, you don't vet. know where she is. It could be the middle of the night. Hey, while you're trying to find trying her, to I was listening to my... Go ahead. Is go she ahead. here? No, not yet. Okay, I was listening to... Michelle, are you there? Hey, I'm here. Hey, there Hi. she is. <laughs> I'm hiding so- <laughs> Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Uh, And we were just explaining to people that we had you on many, many times while you were in vet school. You were one of those that a little bit later in life decided to change careers and to go to vet school and and just completely redo your life. And you ended up doing that in Slovakia where you didn't understand a word of what they were saying, um, which had to make vet school all that more interesting. And now you're back to your home country of England. And we want to hear number one did you become a vet yes i did <laughs> yay! yay good yay! job at are, last long last <laughs> <laughs> and are you now a small animal or large animal vet i'm actually small animal i'm doing emergency only night work only so you get the night shift with emergency animal stuff you must that must be very interesting at times Oh, it's, it is very interesting. Get an interesting bunch of clients. So, I yeah, bet. it's fun. <laughs> okay, hold on. So, let's start. Where, let's go back a little bit. So, those who didn't hear you back then, wh- where are you from? I'm from here in Norfolk, actually. I'm literally right back where I started. I'm from Norfolk in England. And how did you get to Slovakia for vet school? Like, I that's went, not typical. Yeah, I I'm, went via the US. I went to the US. Um, about 20 years ago mm-hmm. and stayed there, did horses, then went to vet nursing, then decided, oh, I think I could be a vet. And then while I was in vet school, had a kind of, well, not in vet school, while I was applying, had a bit of a family oops. And um, so decided I needed to be closer to home. So I picked a school in Slovakia to go to and it all worked out really quite well, luckily. Can I pry on the family oops? Does that mean you had a kid? God, no. (laughs) I I just laughed at that too, Rochelle, actually. (laughs) God, no. (laughs) Wow. Rochelle feels about like I'm like Jennifer does. So, (laughs) no, I know, but the family oops like that sounds like you got knocked up. (laughs) I like kids. They're lovely. Fried, a little bit of ketchup. Delicious. (laughs) God. 
So you have your, so you're back in England, you're doing this now. Did you have, uh, an envision envision being a large animal vet or, and change your mind? Did you always go in with the intention of small animals or did you just let vet school tell you what you were good at? Yeah, I just, I think I knew I needed to start from the beginning. Veterinary medicine is so wide, so diverse that there's so many things you can do that I think I needed to get a good grounding. So I started off with general practice. Now I'm doing emergency. And then um, once I get really tired of doing night shifts, I will uh, move on to the next thing. Probably wildlife. I like wildlife too. So yeah, need a good all-round education. You're really big into the aquatic side too, right? Oh, yeah. I love the aquatics. Yeah. If I could be a whale vet, that would be my number one job. Chief whale vet. Is, is there such a thing? Are there whale vets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> if there aren't, there's going to be. I got a question. So if you passed your vet exams in Slovakia, did you have to take another exam in England or was it good there? No, it's good there. Yeah. They're, they're European. If you your school is registered with the European Board of Veterinary Medicine, uh-huh. then you can come over and go to school here. I mean, go to work here. You just need to register with the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons and you're good to go. Pay them some money, obviously. What would happen if you wanted to come back to the United States? Would you, Did that start all over or what would happen? Yeah, I would have to take the NAVLI, which I'm planning on taking slowly. And I would have to take what's called, because I go to a foreign school, it's not in their list of approved schools. I would have to take the foreign um, veterinary graduate degree kind of test, first of all. It's like another NAVLI. So just huh. more tests. Or test. Yeah. Huh. And more so, money. <laughs> okay, so you work emergency nights on small animals. You must have some stories to tell us. Yeah, mostly involves diarrhea or vomiting. Sorry, nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> From drinking Glamorous. too much, do the dogs drink yeah. over there in England too? Do they go to the pub? No, actually, yeah, I have had one that I was suspicious. There may have been some illegal drug use but uh <laughs> depends on who brings the animal in really if it's a very guilty looking teenager then hmm. but <laughs> christmas time when they overeat on the um delicacy so in england we have a lot of christmas cake christmas pudding and mince pies and they all have raisins in them so raisins i don't know if you know this but ra- one raisin has killed a dog at some point i didn't dogs know that yeah, i knew raisins. chocolate was bad but did you know about raisins yeah, yeah. I, I did. That. So what about raisins? I see all those posts about like, don't give your dogs grapes or raisins or don't do these at different times in the year. Yeah. Huh. How about chocolate? Is it really bad for your dog? It is. It depends on the type of chocolate. So the amount of the dark cocoa in it, and it depends on how much and the weight of the dog and kind of, if you've eaten something like a Mars bar, that's milk chocolate with a lot of other stuff in it, mostly sugar, and caramel, then not so bad. But if you've eaten cooking chocolate, the same weight in cooking chocolate is, yeah, definitely a danger. Oh, who wants to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> a dog. I don't think my dog would eat that. <laughs> so which dogs, do you, which breeds do you love working on? And which breeds are you like, oh, my God, another one of those again? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a lot of crazy spaniels over in England. They call them, um, well, a lot of Springer Spaniels, a lot of English Spaniels, um, and they are absolutely insane. They're lovable, but they just get into the worst trouble possible. If there's trouble, there's a Spaniel right next to it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And do you, 
Do you um, do you own your own dog? Nope. nope. No time. I work 15-hour shifts. That's not fair. So, wow. No. So what time do you work from and to? I start at 6 until 9. In the 6 at night till 9 in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've worked, I used to work the 11 to 7 shift overnight, and I thought that was bad. Your shift is horrible. It's not fun. No, it's not fun. But we have to appear when the other vets go home, and then when they come in the morning, we're going to leave. So we basically just take over from them. There has to be no gaps. Jeez. And do you see a lot of uh, dogs at 3 in the morning? Oh, yeah, we see a lot. My busiest time really is from, I'd say, I get a lot of around seven o'clock. I have all my transfers from the other hospitals. And then around 11 till two, it's very busy. Then it dies off a little bit. And then you get the early morning people having emergencies as well. So, yeah. Okay. What kind of exotic animals have you seen? Have you seen anything weird? Ooh, I've seen lots of good exotics, actually. Um, in emergency, we do get a lot. I was quite surprised. Lots of um, parrots, obviously. Lots of turtles, um, lots of uh, bearded dragons, and any of the reptiles. Get a lot of reptiles, quite snakes. a few snakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I <laughs> love how she says par- there's obviously a lot of parrots, obviously. Yeah. Why is that obvious? I don't get it. <laughs> parrots, <laughs> I think parrots are one of those very exotic, exotic pets that maybe people can get hold of a lot easier and maybe a don't need so much exotic equipment you don't need all the uv lighting and such like you can keep one in your house with just a, a cage as it were you don't need so many special accoutrement as it were so yeah i think more people love parrots they're very exotic and um but they're, they're difficult right they're a lot more than people realize when they take them on so it can be tricky are the snakes mostly from indigestion eating something they shouldn't have <laughs> Um, to be honest, most of the time is not being looked after properly. Mm. So not having good UV lights and not having good food, good substrate, that kind of thing. So yeah, it tends to be husbandry, unfortunately. Do any, does anybody ever bring their fish in? I always wondered that. <laughs> there are many excellent fish vets out there. I can't believe really? saying. Yeah. Oh, you can do anything on a fish. Absolutely. You can do <laughs> surgery on a fish. I yeah. think she's lying to you. Right I do. Now. I think she's playing with me here. <laughs> you have to look up the fish vet. There's an amazing fish vet in Australia. He's fantastic. He's called Rich Lowe and he's unbelievable. And he travels all around Australia and around the world, actually, doing just fish. He's brilliant. Well, you know, some of these fish they have in these tanks and these expensive tanks are ex- very expensive fish, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Koi. Yeah, very expensive. <laughs> well, are you happy? Oh, yeah. yeah? Tired, but happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad. We're so glad that you, you're getting to do what you wanted to do, because this was quite a life change for you, and it wasn't like you were 22 when you did it. So, <laughs> I mean, exactly. you, you know, you're in. You're just take things and change it all right in the middle. So, good job. Thank good you. Job. Well, I had good friends to support me, and that, that actually makes makes it a lot easier when you have people behind you and they've got your back. So, yeah, so, it's been good. So let me ask you then, um, if somebody that's listening right now is in there, you were in your, what, 30s, right? When you, <clears throat> Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to give everybody an example. Uh, so if you're in your 30s or even early 40s, it can be done, right? Absolutely. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, definitely. It's not going to be the traditional route and it's not going to be easy. And but and the, sometimes there's no trailblazers for you to follow. 
Um, you have to make your own way. There's no one out there able to give you advice. But if you have people behind you and telling you it's okay, keep going, we'll support you. That That's all you need, really. Just keep going. Absolutely. Wow. And Jemmy is now posting on our chat all these articles she's finding about fish surgeries. So <laughs> apparently you were right. <laughs> Did you find the one about the man that put a little float on his fish so he wouldn't sink? <laughs> Aren't fish not supposed to be able to sink anyway? I know. <laughs> like... Yeah, it had a little swim blow. <laughs> well, thank you, Rochelle, and congratulations. Good job. Thanks, Glenn. Good All to right. speak with you. All right. Have fun. Thank you, Bye. 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 That is an inspiration, though, isn't it? I, oh, and- absolutely it is. I mean, uh, the, uh, Chad actually, he's like, why didn't you go to vet school? You should go to vet school. You should go to vet school. And I said, I could, I would love to go to vet school and I would love to be a vet, but you would never see me again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the job, I mean, she's working all night long, like crazy. 12 hour shifts from six at night till nine in the morning. Ugh. That's just ridiculous. All right. So let me, that's, that's before we get cool. to the book, which we have to do the next half a chapter, I guess we're doing chapter 22. There was a post on auditors. We haven't talked about this, so I'm going to catch you off guard. There were a couple people of our list, a couple of our listeners and auditors who were interested because you've talked a lot, so much about doing the Monty Roberts courses, the introductory course, and maybe becoming a Monty Roberts instructor over time like you're doing. And there was a lot of confusion about how to do that. And, and, and their website is not super clear on it. So if you're going to give everybody a Reader's Digest version of what they should do, what would you tell them? If they want to be a Monty Roberts instructor uh, or take the courses. Well, I mean, the courses are all listed at montyroberts.com. There are different things. There's the first thing you have to do is the intro course. The intro course is join up, long lining, working with the Dooley Halter, and a lot of uh, they'll send you home with a with a book to study about just husbandry and everything like that. Uh, once you finish that course, then then you have to come back for the intro level exams, and that's a book test and also a um, the, the the practical exams of the halter long lining and join up and all that stuff. Now you can do the intro course by another Monty Roberts instructor. So I know that there's one in Maine. So if you live in new England or there's one in Georgia, there's a a couple in California. Um, and then there's going to be me someday in Oklahoma. You can come to the middle of the country. So I'll be able to do the intro courses. Um, and then the next thing, I don't know if you can do the intro exam. I think you can do the intro exams with these people as well. And then you need to go to flag is up farms for your advanced course, because you do a lot more in the advanced course with, with wild horses and the you know first touches and the horses that have never been started. Um, in between all of the exams and the courses, and then go back for the courses and exams, you practice and you take you do what I did. Don't do what I did, which is volunteer to train horses in the neighborhood for free. Don't do that. <laughs> That yeah, was that a went very really well. That was a very bad idea. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you want to go back to flag is up for the exam or for the for the advanced course, and then you do the advanced exam, which I just did and I passed. Um, three out of four in my class passed it. 
it's 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 difficult but you're once you've practiced enough and the, the the whole week before is practice 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 and you've been practicing the whole time so it's not like you're caught off guard with these exams you know um and then after that you go back for an internship and you can stay like the two of the girls the other two girls that passed in my course they're young and one's 18 and one's 22 and they're like yeah we'll just stay I'm like yeah great you can just stay here for the next three months. I have to go home and like raise my child and take care of my farm. So I'm going to be going back intermittently uh, for they're really, really being kind to me and letting me go back and do my exam, my internships in, in various phases. So I'm going to go back and teach courses, Glenn. I'm going to be a teacher. Watch out, people. I'm going to teach. Uh, I think I'm going to start with the intro course actually in April. So somebody go to that. Let's come back to that. I'm going to teach it to you. It's going to be awesome. I will have people around me to make sure I'm teaching it right. Of course. But anyway, does that, um, does that make any sense? Yes. Does and that help so it's you? MontyRoberts.com is the website, right? Yes. And there's different courses. And I would suggest if you are interested in any of this, go and join the university because you will, really learn a lot kind of even before you go, once you do go, you get the university for free, uh, for a certain amount of time, uh, for the next six months. So, so you can watch it and view it and practice and all that stuff. Um, but basically once I'm a certified instructor, I can do, I can do clinics. I can do courses. I can do have a, a horse training business. My whole point of wanting to do this was not, to become a certified instructor. It is now. Cause I'm like, damn it. I got this far, <laughs> but my whole point in wanting to do this was just to be better at training horses. I just wanted to be better. And Oh my gosh, you guys, I really, it's like at the point where I really feel like there's not much that can be thrown at me that I couldn't figure out how to fix. I mean, I just, my Mustang who bolts at fences, I just went through a gymnastics grid with my arms out to the side and halted at the end of it. And he would blast off after fences. And now he sits in woes without any hands. And that's what I taught him to do. You can do the coolest stuff there too, practical wise and also just helpful wise and, and getting the connection with your horse that you want. It's really awesome. And I, I, I mean, I've, I've only gone back because I've enjoyed it. Not because I had this ultimate goal of becoming a certified instructor, but it is obviously I've gotten this far. I should completely finish it. So I'm, that's what, what we're going to do. And, and so basically when I moved to Oklahoma, the Monty Roberts organization is going to help me get business. Once you're certified, you're part of the family. And then you have this business and people call, people call flag is up. I remember the guy in the office, Adam, he said, I'm so glad that you're going to be certified and living in Oklahoma. And I was like, why? He goes, because we have people that call all the time from the East coast or wherever in the middle of the country that want their horses trained in our methods and we don't have anybody to send them to. So we're, they're, they're going to like give me business, you know, uh, referrals to me. So it's a great business plan for those wanting to train horses as well. So, uh, yeah, MontyRoberts.com, check it out. But if you want any more information on it, just email me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. I'd be happy to help you and happy to tell you. You guys, we're going to continue with the interviews of certified instructors because it's so fascinating to find out where they live and who they are and what they are doing with their certification. But we've talked to people in Dubai and India and Germany and South America. I mean, it's incredible, uh, the stuff that we've been able to talk to. And these are, I mean, like, I feel like I have friends 
friends in every country now. It's incredible because it's such an international place. I'm usually the only American who's there, which is sad. We need to change that. Come on, America, get on it. Very good. And and also, I wanted to remind everybody that we'll be doing live Road to the Horse coverage brought to you by Horseware and also Cashel Products. That'll be coming up on March 23rd, 24th, and 25th. It's the 15th anniversary of Road to the Horse. This is at the Kentucky Horse Park at the All-Tech Arena. There'll be 8,000 people there for three days watching. And Tara Carter and uh, Jennifer will be there covering the event this year. We'll have two live shows in the mornings on the 23rd and 24th, the usual Horses in the Morning, special Saturday edition. And then Sunday, we'll be doing four hours live where we'll be covering the finals uh, that they do, the obstacle course and the freestyle and all of that. And we'll be covering that. We'll have some special guests showing up. There's a lot of terrific competitors this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we thank Horseware and Casual Products for their continued support of uh, of our coverage at Road to the Horse. And uh, I think Jennifer and Tara are looking forward to doing the coverage for you again this year. Well, let's uh, thank you, Jemmy. Don't forget, Finding Florida, latest episodes are out. If you want to hear all about our Yay. cruise, the Horse Lovers Cruise, and also our stop in Key West, you'll find it at FindingFloridaPodcast.com or on the app. So thank you, Jemmy. And Jamie, you're going to take it away with Chapter 22 of the book, and we're going to hear about that right now. The Opium Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Wysocki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher Cool Titles for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawysaki.com. Chapter 22. Western Hills Cemetery is enclosed on three sides by a four-foot stone wall that was most likely a 1930s WPA project. The wall had seen better days, but they were long, long ago. The fourth side of the property featured a slightly lower wall with a wide gap on the left. The gap was bisected by a gravel drive that wound through several sides of uh, several several side roads and eventually circled around and led back out to Highway 100. It was an old cemetery, many of the crumbling markers decorated graves that had been there for over a century. Old Nashville names such as Harding, McGavick, Robertson, and DeMonbrun were prominent on the larger stones. And even though the grass was meticulously mowed, the paths carefully swept, the entire graveyard had a desolate air. It had a feel of incurable shabbiness. Only in the far right corner did the feeling lift, giving way to newer marble headstones that you didn't have to squint at to read the inscriptions. It was in this area that Glenda's grave had been dug. And now she was about to be lowered into it, into a black lacquered coffin that was covered with a blanket of large white roses. For obvious reasons, the coffin had been closed during this morning's brief period of viewing, with a heavy veil of prickly rose discouraging even the nosiest of neighbors from the tiniest urge to peek. I wondered about the choice of cemetery, but Adam said many generations of the Duprees were buried here, and I think if I had Dupree money, I'd send it over a little to spiff up their graves. Despite the short notice, the Hollywood contingent had turned out. Morgan Fairchild, a longtime friend of Glenda's, was there. She looked fabulously beautiful and blonde. 
Bill Royce, a writer and casting director I'd met at one of Glenda's parties, stood next to her, as did Neville Johnson, Glenda's entertainment attorney. Someone told me that Warren Beatty sent the huge spray of lilies that stood next to the grave. River Road residents had also turned out en masse for the event. Even though Glenda hadn't quite fit in, and even though by virtue of her caustic personality she wasn't well-liked, she had been born in the Nashville area and, like the prodigal son, had returned. When she was alive, neighbors all alternately bragged about the fact that she was a star and moaned that she was the rudest person ever. But now she had moved off to the hereafter and wasn't quite so likely to say something to piss anyone off. So all the neighbors were willing to let bygones be bygones and sink any differences along with Glenda to the bottom of the grave. I had not wanted to come. Let's get that straight right away. I don't like funerals and prefer to do my mourning in private. In fact, I felt like I'd already done my grieving and there was of it Tuesday afternoon at the riverbank in the comforting fork of my favorite tree. But I knew in my absence would be conspicuous and ever after had I not shown up, it would have been added as to, to my name. I could just hear them now. Oh, yes, dear. This is Kat Enright, the one who didn't show up for Glenda Dupree's funeral. I tried to imagine Glenda peacefully at rest inside the plush coffin, but couldn't quite pull it off. It was easier to imagine her screeching in protest, banging on the gates of heaven, yelling for someone to return her to her living earthly body. I could just see St. Peter grabbing Glenda by the waist and dragging her kicking and screaming to her life review with the creator. The thought almost made me giggle. Instead, I clenched my fist and hugged myself tightly. Glenda was dead. Even though I had found her body, it was hard to imagine. A weak midday sun reflected off the spray of the roses in the coffin, and on the other side of the grave, Deputy Giles stood, looking solemn in his tan and brown county uniform. He hadn't worn a coat, even though the temperature was hovering at 40, but she'd never know by looking at him that he might be cold. Adam stepped forward and dropped a few clumps of dirt symbolically over the coffin. The priest said a few words, two minutes later, that I remember none of them. Then people were leaving. Dixon journalist Chuck Dauphin walked next, to, walked next to Morgan Fairchild, as did Buffy Thorndike from the Ashland City Times. I'd called Buffy earlier that morning to ask about the time of Glenda's phone call to her on Monday. Buffy said it had come right before she went to lunch at noon. Buffy wasn't carrying a notebook, but I'm sure I'd read about the funeral. I'd read about the funeral in next week's paper. Carol Carson was there with her husband Keith. He must have flown in early this morning. I knew he'd been out on the road yesterday. I wonder if it was sinful to have lustful thoughts about your neighbor's husband while at a funeral, and I decided I didn't care. There was no way around it. He was hot. There were a few older-dressed women in varying shades of gray that I assume were contemporaries of Opal Dupree. Hill Henley was there, too, looking white as a sheet, no doubt realizing that the next funeral he attended could be that of his son. I smiled at John and at Darcy. Darcy was inappropriately dressed in an old pair of chinos and a navy downfield jacket, but she either didn't see me or wasn't up to conversation. John ignored me, which was a disturbing sign for our ongoing working relationship. Okay, I've not been communicating well lately. I should have told John about the funeral in person rather than leaving a message for him. I could tell by his studious indifference that I would be the one to have to take the first step, but not here. Not now was the time. 
Adam and Opal, of course, had ringside seats, and I'd worried that Opal would be so overwhelmed in the funeral proceedings that she'd have one of her spells, but she sat still as a stone throughout the entire service. Most likely, she was heavily sedated. I, too, began to walk towards the parking lot, which was divided from the rest of the cemetery by an even lower stone wall. It was so low, in fact, that you could step over it in places where the top stones had fallen away. The media vultures whose cameras had been relegated to the parking area jumped into action as the mourners began to make their ways to their cars. Interest from the national press remained high, as I knew it would. I watched as one cameraman approached Keith Carson, and I felt a twinge of sorrow for Carol. The life of a celebrity did have its downfalls. Deputy Giles caught up with me, having agreed last night to take me to and from the service. While a civilian shouldn't be in a county car without reason, the deputy said that if he got any flack about it, he could call my presence close surveillance. It was either that or have John take me, and John was mad enough at me right now to bash my head in himself. My truck had been towed to a garage near Verna Mays, and I wouldn't be ready for another few hours. Goose's branch had done a number on my oil pan. Deputy Giles exhaled loudly as we got into the patrol car. You know, Miss Cat, I should have taken my dad up on that job at the co-op. Life would be a lot simpler. Find the right bag of feed, load it up, make change, and you're done. Can I take that to mean a new development has taken place? The deputy made a wry face as he pulled the patrol car into Highway 100 and headed west towards Fairview. What happened is that after I left your place last night, I arrested a student of yours, Griggs. He was over to that catfish restaurant there on Highway 12, drunk and disorderly and hotter than a lit match. Didn't realize he had such a temper. Seems he got upset when the other diners wouldn't believe his story. I see. His story. And what story would that be, deputy? Seems Griggs was insisting the lady wasn't beaten to death. Said he knew it for a fact. Had it from a good source that she died from asphyxiation and not from head wounds. Why would Robert say that? I wonder. Could he have? Could he have killed Glenda? Maybe. But I just could not fathom it. There had to be another explanation. Poor Robert, I said, shaking my head. I don't know him well, but he's always so remote. I'm not surprised he snapped. He keeps everything locked up inside. Yeah, said the deputy. There's only one thing, though. I looked at him. You can't mean that Glenda. Bingo. Ms. Dupree choked to death on her own blood. Time of death was late Monday afternoon, give or take a couple hours either way. Her head wounds were messy and were inflicted sometimes earlier than the in the death, but she didn't die from them. She might have eventually, but she suffocated on all that blood first. Robert, that she died.